Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at the top menu for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same top menu, there is also subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text read for the day. <coughs> My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 30, The New Beginning, with Section 6, The Only Purpose. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today is lesson 319. I came for the salvation of the world. All right, Ms. Laurie, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings call today? Boy, I do, Lemoyne, and it's just so lovely. Uh, it's a beautiful thought from David John Modica called Signs Along the Path. We have an existence that transcends the physical. We are an energetic being created by love. Love is the breath of the entire cosmos, the breath of existence. You and I are the breath of love's existence. When this is understood, You will look at this world as nothing but love. You will see yourself and all its creatures in love's various stages of development. Live here and love's light will shine its brightest in you. Live here and live in love's eternal existence. I came for the salvation of the world. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank, thank you. you so much. Oh, my great pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Lori. And see, this morning I have with us in Reading, I have Lori, Fran, Robin Marie, Jessica, Jennifer, and Karen. With us in listening, I have Harrison, uh, maybe Bright, (laughs) RJ, Wendy, and Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who's going to say good morning on the reading list?
uh, your connection is becoming a little distant again, Lemoyne. All righty. I hope this is better. Well, yes, it is. I'll go, I'll go ahead and get us started with Chapter 30, The New Beginning, Section 6, The Only Purpose. The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Fear is not its goal, and the escape from guilt becomes the same. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols which are thought no longer, for their quote-unquote gifts are not held dear. No rules are idly set, and no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist and fit into the dream of fear. Instead, there is a wish to understand all things created as they really are. And it is recognized that all things must be first forgiven and then understood. Lori? Uh, Chapter 30, The New Beginning, Section 6, The Only Purpose. The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Fear is not its call, and the escape from guilt becomes its aim. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols, which are sought no longer, for their so-called gifts are not held dear. No rules are idly set, and no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist and fit into the dream of fear. Instead, there's a wish to understand all things created as they really are, and it is recognized that all things must be first forgiven and then understood. Here, it is thought that understanding is acquired by attack. There, it is clear that by attack is understanding lost. The folly of pursuing guilt as goal is fully recognized and idols are not wanted there, for guilt is understood as the sole cause of pain in any form. No one is tempted by its vain appeal, for suffering and death have been perceived as things not wanted and not striven for. The possibility of freedom has been grasped and welcomed, and the means by which it can be gained can now be understood. The world becomes a place of hope because its only purpose is to be a place where hope of happiness can be fulfilled. And no one stands outside this hope because the world has been united in belief that the purpose of the world is one which all must share if hope be more than just a dream. Thank you, Lord. 58. Here, it is thought that understanding is acquired by attack. There, it is clear that by attack is understanding loss. The folly of pursuing guilt as goal is fully recognized, and idols are not wanted there, 
For guilt is understood as the sole cause of pain in any form. No one is tempted by its vain appeal. For suffering and death have been perceived as things not wanted and not striven for. The possibility of freedom has been grasped and welcomed, and the means by which it can be gained can now be understood. The world becomes a place of hope, because its only purpose is to be a place where hope of happiness can be fulfilled. And no one stands outside this hope, because the world has been united in belief the purpose of the world is one, which all must share if hope be more than just a dream. 59. Not yet is heaven quite remembered, for the purpose of forgiveness still remains. Yet everyone is certain he will go beyond forgiveness, and he but remains until it is made perfect in himself. He has no wish for anything but this, and fear has dropped away because he is united in its purpose with himself. There is a hope of happiness in him, so sure and constant, he can barely stay and wait a little longer, with his feet still touching earth. Yet is he glad to wait till every hand is joined and every heart made ready to arise and go with him. For thus is he made ready for the step in which is all forgiveness left behind. Thank you, friend. And Robin Marie. Fifty-nine. Not yet is heaven quite remembered, for the purpose of forgiveness still remains. Yet everyone is certain he will go beyond forgiveness, and he but remains until it is made perfect in himself. He has no wish for anything but this, and fear has dropped away, because he is united in his purpose with himself. There is a hope of happiness in him, so sure and constant, he can barely stay and wait a little longer with his feet still touching earth. Yet he is glad to wait till every hand is joined and every heart made ready to arise and go with him. For thus he made ready for the step in which all forgiveness left behind. 60. The final step is God's, because it is but God who could create a perfect son and share his fatherhood with him. No one outside of heaven knows how this can be, for understanding this is heaven itself. Even the real world has a purpose still beneath creation, still beneath creation and eternity. But fear is gone because its purpose is forgiveness, not idolatry. And so is heaven's son prepared to be himself. And to remember that the son of God knows everything his father understands and understands it perfectly with him. Thank you, Robin Murray and Jessica. Um, 60, right? That's correct. Okay. The final step is God's because it is but God who could create a perfect son 
and share his fatherhood with him. No one outside of heaven knows how this can be, for understanding this is heaven itself. Even the real world has a purpose still beneath creation and eternity. But fear is gone because its purpose is forgiveness, not idolatry. And so is heaven's son prepared to be himself and to remember that the son of God knows everything his father understands and understands it perfectly with him. The real world still falls short of this, for this is God's own purpose, only his and yet completely shared and perfectly fulfilled. The real world is a state in which the mind has learned how easily do idols go when they are still perceived but wanted not. How willingly the mind can let them go when it has understood that idols are nothing and nowhere and are purposeless. For only then can guilt and sin be seen without a purpose and as meaningless. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm annoying. What what would you what do you have me do? The last sentence is sixty and then Okay, no problem. <clears throat> and so is Heaven's Son prepared to be Himself and to remember that the Son of God knows everything His Father under, understands and understands it perfectly with capital M61. The real world still falls short of this, for this is God's own purpose. Only his, and yet completely shared and perfectly fulfilled. The real world is a state in which the mind has learned how easily do idols go when they are still perceived, but wanted not. How willingly the mind can let them go when it has when it has understood that idols are nothing and nowhere and are purposeless. For only then can guilt and sin be seen without a purpose and as meaningless. 62. Thus is the real world's purpose gently brought into awareness to replace the goal of sin and guilt and all that stood between your image of yourself and what you are forgiveness washes joyfully away yet God need not create his son again that what is his 
be given back to him. The gap between your brother and yourself was never there. And what the Son of God knew in creation, he must now again. Okay, 62. Thus is the real world's purpose, gently brought into awareness to replace the goal of sin and guilt and all that stood between your image of yourself and what you are, forgiveness washes joyfully away. Yet God need not create his son again that what is his be given back to him. The gap between your brother and yourself was never there. And what the son of God knew in creation he must know again. 63. Where brothers join in purpose in the world of fear, they stand already at the edge of the real world. Perhaps they still look back and think they see an idol that they want. Yet has their path been surely set away from idols toward reality? For when they joined their hands, it was Christ's hand they took. And they will look on him whose hand they hold. The face of Christ is look upon, looked upon before the Father is remembered. For he must be unremembered till his son has reached beyond forgiveness to the love of God. Yet is the love of Christ accepted first, and then will come the knowledge they are one. Thank you, Karen. Is there three, four? I, I think Lemoyne. you're asking for a new leader. I can't hear you anymore. Hi, you're still like so far away. We can barely hear you. I can read if you need me to. Um, just need to give me the number. Okay. When brothers join in purpose in the world of fear, they stand already at the edge of the real world. Perhaps they still look back and think they see an idol that they want. Yet has their past been surely set away from idols towards reality. For when they joined their hands, it was Christ's hand they took. And they will look on him, capital H, whose, capital W, hand they hold. The face of Christ is looked upon before the Father is remembered. For he must be unremembered till his son has reached beyond forgiveness to the love of God. 
Yet is the love of Christ accepted first, and then will come the knowledge they are one. 64. How light and easy is the step across the narrow boundaries of the world of fear when you have recognized whose hand you hold. Within your hand is everything you need to walk with perfect confidence away from fear forever and to go straight on and quickly reach the gate of heaven itself. For he whose hand you hold was waiting, but for you to join him. Now that you have come, would he delay in showing you the way that he must walk with you? His blessings lie on you as surely as his Father's love rests upon him. His gratitude to you is past your understanding, for you have enabled him to rise from chains and go with you together to his Father's house. Is Lemoyne still there? Oh, no. Sorry. I was on mute. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, is there another new reader for 64 and 65? And, yeah, I, muted. I was muted when I said thank you, Sandra. Okay, back to you, Lori. Oh, great. How light and easy is to step across the narrow boundaries of the world of fear when you have recognized whose hand you hold. Within your hand is everything you need to walk with perfect confidence away from fear forever as you go straight on and quickly reach the gate of heaven itself. For he whose hand you hold was waiting but for you to join him. Now that you have come, Would he delay in showing you the way that he must walk with you? His blessing lies on you as surely as his father's love rests upon him. His gratitude to you is past your understanding, for you have enabled him to rise from chains and go with you together to his father's house. 65. An ancient hate is passing from the world. And with it goes all the hatred and all the fear. Look back no longer, for what lies ahead is all you ever wanted in your heart. Give up the world, but not to sacrifice. You never wanted it. What happiness have you sought here that did not bring you pain? What moment of content has not been bought at fearful price in coins of suffering? Joy has no cost. It is your sacred right, and what you pay for it is, and what you pay for is not happiness. <laughs> Be speeded on your way by honesty, and let not your experiences here deceive in retrospect. They were not free from bitter cost and joyless consequence.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm not understanding you. Sorry, Fran. 367? 7, yes. Thank you. 65. An ancient hate is passing from the world, and with it goes all hatred and all fear. Look back no longer, for what lies ahead is all you ever wanted in your hearts. Give up the world, but not to sacrifice. You never wanted it. What happiness have you sought here that did not bring you pain? What moment of content has not been brought at fearful price in coins of suffering? Joy has no cost. It is your sacred right, and what you pay for is not happiness. Be speeded on your way by honesty, and let not your experiences here deceive in retrospect. They were not free from bitter cost and joyous consequence. 66. Do not look back except in honesty. And when an idol tempts you, think of this. 67. There never was a time an idol brought you anything except the quote-unquote gift of guilt. Not one was bought except at cost of pain, nor was it ever paid by you alone. Do not look back except in honesty, and when an idol tempts you, think of this. There never was a time an idol brought you anything except the quote-unquote gift of guilt. Not one was bought except at cost of pain, nor was it ever paid by you alone. 68. Be merciful unto your brother then, and do not choose an idol thoughtlessly, remembering that he will pay the cost as well as you. For he will be delayed when you look back, and you will not perceive whose, capital W, loving hand you hold. Look forward then and walk in confidence with happy hearts that beat in hope and do not pound in fear. Thank you, Robin Marie. And uh, let's see, Jessica? Would you read mm-hmm. 66, 66 through the end? Okay. 66. Do not look back except in honesty. And when an idol tempts you, think of this. There never was a time an idol brought you anything except the so-called gift of guilt. No one was bought except at cost of pain. I mean, not one was bought except the cost of pain, nor was it ever paid by you alone. Be merciful unto your brother then, and do not choose an idol thoughtlessly, remembering that he will pay the cost as well as you. For he will be delayed when you look back 
and you will not perceive whose loving hand you hold. Look forward then and walk in confidence with happy hearts that beat in hope and do not pound in fear. 69. The will of God forever lies in those whose hands are joined. Until they joined, they thought he was their enemy. But when they joined and shared a purpose, they were free to learn their will is one. And thus, the will of God must reach to their awareness. Nor can they forget for long that it is but their own. Well, thank you, Jessica. And Jennifer, would you conclude? Well, let's let go this way. Jennifer, would you read 68 and 69? Okay. Um, thank you, Lemoyne. 68. Be merciful unto your brother then, and do not choose an idol thoughtlessly remembering that he will pay the cost as as well as you. For he will be delayed when you look back, and you will not perceive whose loving hand you hold. Look forward, then, and walk in confidence with happy hearts that beat in hope and do not pound in fear. 69. The will of God forever lies in those whose hands are joined. Until they joined, they thought he was their enemy. But when they joined and shared a purpose, they were free to learn their will is one. And thus the will of God must reach to their, must reach to their awareness nor can they forget for long that it is but their own. Karen, would you conclude? Sure. Thank you. 69. The will of God forever lies in those whose hands are joined. Until they joined, They thought he was their enemy. But when they joined and shared a purpose, they were free to learn their will is one. And thus the will of God must reach to their awareness. Nor can they forget for long that it is but their own. The second the is, I'm going to draw it short, pretty short. The person is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be. 
and from six one when are so perceived, but why not? So, from paragraph 67, when I text you, think of this. There was never, there never was a time when an idol brought you anything except the quote of guilt. Nor one, not one, was bought. Not one was bought except at cost of pain. Nor was it ever paid by you alone. Be merciful unto your brothers then. The will of God forever lies in those whose hands are joined. Until the joint thought he was when they joined this purpose, they were free to learn their is their awareness can they forget the law that it is both their own. And uh, with that, the floor is open. Well, this is Lori, and um, gosh, I I feel called to say a couple of things. Um, One is as regards paragraph 65, which is my favorite in this whole section. I think 65 are my numbers sometimes. I can't read them. The paragraph that has the word honesty and I have it highlighted all over the place. (laughs) Well, I felt called to make the comment, but now I can't find the word. There it is, right there. It is 65, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I always, well, not always, for the longest time I wondered how he meant uh, be speeded on your way by honesty. Uh, how does that? I, I wondered. I don't understand. And so, you know, finally I got to the place where I just inquired. You know, you slide over a word for for years and years and years, and then it stands out. And um, it's just been a couple of years, maybe three or four, since I realized that's the standout word in this section. Be speeded on your way by honesty, and it. It um, it turns out that the most clear understanding of that is to quit making judgments. Um, in the Manual for Teachers, he talks about how is judgment relinquished. And in that uh, section, he talks about laying down the awful burden of thinking you have to know 
Um, and when I learned to let go of my judgment, well, he says in that section, I am merely becoming more honest. Now I understand. Now I understand. Um, at least in this context, that the most honest thing I can ever do is say, I don't know. And when I do, I open the space um, where truth can enter. And that's... Um, that's the remarkable miracle of forgiveness to me today. And so I wanted to highlight that. And um, the other thing I wanted to highlight is uh, the word purpose. Purpose and function are, are two real um, attractive words. And I noticed in this section the word purpose is used 13 times. The section itself is a perfect piece of iambic pentameter poetry. And when a poet uses repetition, uh, it's very specific. I mean, when a poet uses repetition as a literary device, it's very meaningful, and they're trying to attract your attention and create a sense of urgency. And so in this section of poetry... He wants me to pay attention to the word purpose. I have a purpose. I didn't come here at random. I'm not here for any any accident. I have a purpose. I came for the salvation of the world. I came for that. That's, that's my purpose. And how do I do that? The other word that's repeated in this section um, several times is the word forgiveness, which is... Uh, just to ask for truth. To just ask for truth is to forgive. Uh, it's to release untruth, to release an illusion, to release what my brother did not do to me, um, to release my hold on my own idea. And in that space, um, truth can arrive. Another interesting comment, this is something I just noticed today, uh, but I did the search for the word purpose and the word forgiveness so I could count them um, real easily. And it turns out in this entire book, here's something really cool to know. The word purpose is used 692 times from the text all the way through the Manual for Teachers. 692 times is the word purpose. And 699 times is the word forgiveness. What should I understand about that? Father, what should I understand about that? I'm complete. Thanks. That was fun. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was great. Thank you. Fun. Thank you. Really it's forgiveness. Great. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Lori. And uh had to get time. That's a wonderful setup for the lesson. So are you asking good Um, okay. 
I, I can't hear you, Lauren, but <laughs> I'll just... All right. Um, okay. There you are. Okay. Should I start? Okay. So that lead us in the lessons and thank you for this everyday friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is what is the last judgment? What is the last judgment? And the lesson for today is lesson 319. I came for the salvation of the world. So I shall read some from What is the Last Judgment? And we will go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. God's final judgment is as merciful as every step in his appointed plan to bless his son and call him to return to the eternal peace he shares with him. Be not afraid of love, for it alone can heal all sorrow, wipe away all tears, and gently waken from his dream of pain the son whom God acknowledges as his. Be not afraid of this. Salvation asks you give it welcome, and the world awaits your glad acceptance, which will set it free. This is God's final judgment. Quote, you are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changeless and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father and you are my son, unquote. So we'll go over to the lesson now. Lesson 319, I came for the salvation of the world. Here is a thought from which all arrogance has been removed, and only truth is left. For arrogance opposes truth, but where there is no arrogance, the truth will come immediately and fill up the space the ego left unoccupied by lies. Only the ego can be limited. And therefore, it must seek for aims which are curtailed and limiting. The ego thinks that what one gains, totality, must lose. And yet it is the will of God, I learn, that what one gains is given unto all. Father, your will is total, and the goal that stems from its shares is totality. What aim but the salvation of the world could you have given me? And what but this could be the will myself has shared with you? Lesson 319, I came for the salvation of the world. Five minutes.
Is this door open? Lesson 319. I came for the salvation of the world. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. I'm sorry for interrupting. I just got back. That's okay. We were just doing the meditation on the lesson. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. I'll have to say one thing about this. I love when he tells us that arrogance opposes truth. But when there is no arrogance, the truth will come immediately and fill up the space. The ego left unoccupied by lies. That is just so great. We've got an empty space there. <laughs> and truth comes in. I love it. <laughs> I'm complete. Yeah, I like that part the best too, Fran. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I like that part too. Good morning, Cindy. Yeah, I like that too. Um, I found myself wanting to look at and see, well, what is arrogance? And I think arrogance is I can do it better than you, (laughs) which applies to people and not recognizing that we're all equal in our gifts from God and that we are all one. And of course, it applies to ego arrogance. Um, You know, I'm separate from God. I don't need God. And of course, both of these statements, I'm not equal with my brothers or one with them. I'm better than them. separates me. And if, he, if I have arrogance and think that I am uh, island unto myself, then I don't believe in God and that I am God's child. And so that opposes the truth. And so that's where, where I come from with that and how wonderful it is to, to be humble, um, not in the term where you know, it implies weakness, but humbleness to know whose I really am and what I'm part of and that I am a channel through which, you know, this personality, this body, um, I'm honored to have the job of bringing forgiveness and love from the Father, Mother, Creator into this space that we're all occupying into the solution, I guess. Um, How honored am I to be that channel so, I mean, you know, I looked very closely at some things in my life, and maybe I'll share them later, but it's very clear to me why I'm going through what I'm going through. It's about learning how to forgive. And I have an opportunity to do a forgiveness that, I know there's no order of difficulty in miracles, but I have an opportunity to do a huge forgiveness. And if the salvation of the world comes through me, what an honor to be able to be the channel to do that. Wow. So that really turns, turns things around <laughs> as far as feeling like a victim or feeling like, wow, what an opportunity 
This is being done for me and for everyone. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was just thinking of that empty space and how important it is when we look at other people to give that empty space to them instead of thinking that we know what they are thinking or who they are or why they are even doing what they're doing. We don't know. So I would just ask God to show me what I am to see right now to help move the spirit along and in teaching young children uh, to not assume that I know what's happening with them, but to always leave that empty space so that they can uh, develop the way they are meant to. And I thank you for the teaching today. Thanks, everybody. Oh, that was beautiful, Robin Marie. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's Harrison. I read my book years ago, and of course, in the office group, we were discussing this lesson. And uh, one of my fellow students. Uh, after reading it, I came for the salvation of the world. The question he raised was, who is the I? And I've pondered that question over the years and gone back and forth about who the I is because if I'm talking about the hairs and the world knows, um, that I have identified with most of my life, um, I would conclude for the most part that it can't be that Harrison that came for the salvation of the world. Um, That Harrison is totally incapable of saving the world. Over the years, I've come to realize that the I is the Holy Son of God. And that includes every one of us. We have all come for the salvation of the world. And we can and will save the world. I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much, Harrison. Thank you. Thanks, thank Harrison. you, Harrison.
This is Jessica. Um, It's a really good question because who came for the salvation of the world when the world was created through the separation by our, by, uh, by us in conjunction with the ego in order to distract us from salvation. So if we created the world to further the separation and, and maintain the separation, then how did we come to, for the salvation of the world? So I came for the salvation of the world. I think that is my higher self and all of our higher selves and not certainly not the ego personality. I'm complete. And that was great, Jessica. Thank you. Amen, Jessica. Thank you. Good morning. This is Sandra. And as soon as I had that mad idea that I separated from my creator, I became a victim. Um, As soon as I had that mad idea, I, I became a victim of the world and I couldn't allow that to happen. So the next thing that happened was I needed to be right. Because I didn't want to be a victim. It was very uncomfortable to be a victim. Then I needed to be right. And to me, that's sort of the history of this planet. I've heard this planet referred to as the trauma planet. And so, of course, if I choose to come here to a trauma planet where there's huge amounts of victimization from people who think they're right... then the only solution to that is forgiveness. There's, that's the only way out of here is to forgive it all. Forgive the trauma. To forgive that need to be right in order to survive the trauma. This is big stuff. And my hope is that we successfully can all of us forgive ourselves for believing that we were separated, that it's possible to even be separated, and to let go of the addiction of needing to be right, the addiction of the ego, and to, you know, do what I came here to do, which was to learn how to forgive. Salvation is another way to say forgiveness. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. That was excellent. Yes, that was. Thank you, Sandra. This is Lori. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit personal right now just because it was such a big, huge lesson for me. You know, it was many years ago uh, that I had that holy instant 
that readjusted uh, everything I thought was upside down and backwards and everything went along just fine for a number of years and I was very happy and and um, it just seemed like everything was you know uh, laid out in front of me clearly for all, for a number of years and then suddenly um, in 1998 I got sick and um, there was an illness that was a little bit catastrophic and uh, and as a consequence of that uh, the person to whom I was responsible partly for my job which was the most wonderful job for me I loved my job um, said well you know you, you just you can't work here anymore and so and then my brother got sick well anyway so here I am you know in 1999 and we can't pay our bills and and all this stuff has gone wrong and I felt a little bit like Job and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking I know I have to forgive I have to forgive this and it seemed impossible for um, a number of years it was impossible I I, I could not forgive this individual person here could not forgive any of that and and it weighed oh it weighed on me so heavy because I knew that was what I needed to do but I didn't know how to do it and I, I couldn't and so um, <laughs> I bought a you know how you, you can go to the signals catalog and they'll personalize just about anything for you and so I went there and I had them personalize a little a little picture and put it in a frame and it says Laurie trust me I have everything under control Jesus and that helped that helped for uh, a couple of years like okay well I don't know what's going on here but somebody does and I'm going to trust him I could do that but every time that word forgive came up it felt like such an impossible impossible burden because to my to my this person's experience I lost the job I loved and I lost my health and I couldn't reconcile that experience with the word forgive it took a long time long time and, and did a whole bunch of crazy stuff because I was getting crazy um, and finally 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 I don't remember the day I don't remember the hour I don't remember the experience but I do know that I finally came to understand forgiveness is God's gift to me it's not something I can do it was uh, finally the willingness to look at it a different way oh I was freed from a responsibility that allowed me the time and space to do something different I was freed from a number of things in that interval and the upshot of the whole affair was that as I said this person this individual uh, that I thought I was cannot forgive and the whole point of forgiveness is to restore to me the understanding that I'm not that person that there's something marvelous and wonderful and uh, superb and excellent about me and everything 
And in order that I can experience that every day, God gives me grace. The grace to realize that He releases me. And that's His gift to me. And that's why, to my way of thinking, what is forgiveness is the very first what is question in the workbook. Because to me, it was the only way to realize I'm not the personality I thought I was. That personality could never overlook um, those things that uh, seem so real. But with grace, I could come to understand my willingness would grant me understanding. And um, and that's what I get from this lesson and this reading. I'm complete. That was great, Lori. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you, Lori. Thank you for being so personal. personal and sharing that. Yeah. It was really, really helpful. I think, uh, you know, when when people share what how they really got through things, I find it very, very helpful. Thank you. No, thank you. That's the point, huh? <laughs> thank you yeah, very much. That yep. was great. Yep, I love it too, Lori. That no, I'm going to take it one share. step further. Oh, <laughs> may I take it yeah. just? I'm going to just take it one step further. Uh, mm-hmm. Two years ago, I bought a license plate, personalized that I renew every year, and it is the letter, the number four, G I V A L L. And there was a time I would never, ever, ever have declared that as a personal. Uh, declaration but now I'm happy uh, to realize that forgiveness as God's gift to me makes me happy that's the only thing that makes me happy is the release of illusions and that's how happiness becomes a constant state now I'm done I beg your pardon friend I just I I couldn't not add that that's how I understand happiness now. Anyway, thank you very much. I'm complete. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It was such a good story. I love it. I love thank personal. Thank you, Lori. So, I'm going to share beautiful. a personal I, I loved story. Um, Jesus, you know, um, Mindy. I've got it all under control and that forgiveness is a gift from God so it's not something I have to strive or effort for um, that brings a new meaning to just being willing and asking the Holy Spirit who does the healing with my higher self to help me increase my willingness and in my conscious self to to be wanting to forgive is just the opposite of, of wanting to be right and and being a victim so the choice to forgive. Wow. I mean, hello. That's synonymous as Reverend Pam says, healing and forgiveness, atonement and salvation are all the same. So that sure applies to the lesson. 
Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy. Fran, I'm still in suspense. <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> okay. I interrupted you. Well, that's all right. Um, it's about forgiveness. I had a friend that we were friends when we were young, in our 20s, and some things happened, and I could not forgive them. And I went for 50 years <laughs> and could not forgive her. But the Course made me realize that forgiveness was where I had to go. And so I hooked up with her daughter on Facebook, and we talked, and I decided to hook up with my old friend and apologize for not forgiving. And I did. And we had a great conversation. And in the middle of the conversation, I said, well, what has helped me is I study the Course in Miracles. And she said, you do? So do I. <laughs> and it was like amazing. And we spent the rest of the conversation talking about Course in Miracles. And it was so great. And the funny thing is, she lives in Georgia. I'm on the East Coast. She came up yesterday. We had lunch yesterday. And we just reminisced and had a great time and started talking again about the Course in Miracles together. I'm just so grateful for the Course that I got her back as a friend. I'm complete. Oh, that's just so beautiful, friends. <laughs> you don't have to understand how this is done. It's done. <laughs> I love it. Great share. Thanks, Fran. Yeah, and I'm just reminded that it says, first you forgive, then comes understanding. <laughs> Good point. So true. Good morning. This is Jennifer. Um, Jessica, I, <clears throat> the one thing that stood out for me was what you just recited uh, from the lesson today. Um, yesterday, I had this uh, great opportunity to spend time with my younger brother. He came to see me for a short window of time. And um, our history in my family, he's my one and only full-blooded brother. We grew up together. Uh, you know, it was a very dysfunctional household, idols ablaze, <laughs> and, you know, the kids kind of lost. That would be Eric and I. Anyways, uh, I hated him. Uh, I was very jealous. Um, and um, <clears throat> anyways, for the longest time, and in my 20s, I apologized for all the torturing I had done to him when he was the littler one um, for a short, for a period of time uh, in the beginning of our growing up together. Um, and that resentment and um, all that pain eventually was forgiven a few, a decade or so later. But now, um, we share, oh my gosh, just, there's just so, I love my brother so much. 
And with really um, the last year and a half, it's been about 11 years on this path, but the last year I've really made some huge shifts with my anger, healing guilt, uh, missing the mark, sin, and um, my own emotional, um, you know, I've I've grown to love myself so much more. And now when I see my family, um, some of them say, oh, my God, it's like Christmas. You're just completely different. I could take that as an insult, sort of. Like, wow, you know, I'm not that much different. But what I notice and how I feel towards my brother um, is a sense of, like it says in the lesson today, it's just complete acceptance and forgiveness of myself, of him. And it's a, a love beyond understanding that I feel and ex- uh, express and experience and receive uh, with my brother. And it's not many um, beings that I get to do that with. And um, just wanted to say it's for real. And in the last paragraph, 69, the will of God forever lies in those whose hands are joined. And, and, and so my brother and I are. Until they joined, they thought he was their enemy, the past. But when they joined and shared a purpose, which I can honestly say is just love, the purpose in knowing my younger brother is the opportunity to love him and receive love. They were free to learn their will is one. And thus the will of God must reach to their awareness, love nor can they forget for long that it is but their own love. And with that, I'm complete. That was sweet, Jennifer. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. It was beautiful. Hey, this is Steve. I'm driving home, so I can't be on too long. But what's been coming up for me, and it started this morning when a friend in the course talking about how she sees war, therefore it's her creation. And I, for years she's been talking about, well, I created this, I created this. She's taking responsibility for everything. But today, this morning, I understood what she's talking about is her not the individual her, but the part of her that is God. So when she says, I created everything, this world, she's talking about the I am that I am that is eternal, that is all-knowing. That's what it was. And then I got to thinking, and what's coming up for me is that oftentimes I'll go into the forest and I'll pay attention to a beautiful tree and I'll get into it and I'll forget about the amazing forest. And in the same way, I may look at a wave, but I'll forget an ocean. Or I'll look at a fish, a sailfish, and I'll go, wow. And I'll forget the, the, the orientation of being one with the ocean and being one with the forest. And so what I'm looking at is noticing the difference between my focus on the tree 
and maintaining the love of the tree, the appreciation, testimony of the tree to the creation, but to maintain the perspective of the ocean and of the forest simultaneously. And to me, that is the practice of the art of living, uncomplete. Oh, what a wide-open invitation. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Nice share. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. I'm in the forest right now, so that was a nice reminder. I'm in the, in the middle of the forest. But each individual tree, to me, is a microcosm. You know, just like each individual person is a microcosm of the Christ self. Um, this is Karen, and I thought I would share on the, the lesson this morning. I came for the salvation of the world. I came for this. I, I was, when I was young, I, I really felt like some, at some point I was exposed to Jesus Christ Superstar, and the song I just kept singing was, I always dreamed I would be an apostle. I always dreamed I would be an apostle. That was like a, I never wanted the world. <laughs> of course, you know, the world didn't want me when I was growing up, so I had to be very uh, deeply reliant on the divine and a divine connection, but there was nothing in the world I wanted. And uh, I ended up getting married to someone who had all the money, and I had no wants for any anything, you know, and I didn't want anything. Kind of an interesting thing not to worry about wanting anything. Um, I wanted to share that my mother is up in California now with my sister, and this very strange thing is happening. She keeps calling me. And talk about forgiveness. Uh, it's like seeing her in another light, seeing her post all of this trauma that she's been going through. And she called out care, care, because when my siblings were young, um, my youngest sister who's taking care of my mother when she was born um, until she was about five and my other brother and two brothers I took care of them all while my mother was working my mother used to make me stay home from school on Wednesdays sixth seventh and eighth grade so she so I could babysit every Wednesday I mean I was the caregiver I was 11 years old and I had to do all the housework all the cleaning all the cooking and she couldn't have survived to put food on the table if I hadn't been there to do what I did. And here she is, 95 years old, and she keeps calling care care. That was what she called me when the, when the other siblings were babies. It's so weird. Talk about forgiveness. Um, I was having a real hard time go, to go down there because of all the history of, the, of other things, you know, negative things. But she woke up at 11 o'clock last night, and she's calling my name and calling my name. It's like, I can't even believe that she's calling my name. There's seven of us, and she's calling me. It's really, um, it's like love has come. Love and sweetness and forgiveness and 
softness and gentleness and beauty. And whatever happens in the future, I mean, something has shifted. And there's a new thing happening that's rewriting the past. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, make a story about it, but I'm acknowledging it. It's like something beautiful and miraculous is, is in the air. Something's happening. Love is happening. Um, I came for the salvation of the world. We all came for the salvation of the world, and we know it. You know, to wake up the world with love, they'll know we're, that we're one by our love. I wrote a song, I probably might have shared it before, but I'm just going to do it again. The warriors are on the path today. The battle is at hand. We're fighting for a planet's sake, for love to claim this land. Masters have called for their outposts to rise and shine their light. For the refugees are fleeing now from a dark and painful night. And the angels of truth are raising the call for the warriors of light. Where will the people wander now and how will the children learn? If not for the warriors who bear thy name, the tides could not be turned. The warriors are on the path today. The battle is at hand. Can we surrender our petty ways and let spirit take the stand? We hold the veil and banner high, our eyes upon the sun. No attack shall weaken us and no defeat will make us run. For we are empowered by the love of God. We are the warriors of love. Yes, we are empowered by the love of God. We are the warriors of love. Thank you for listening. I'm complete. That was so beautiful, Karen. That was great. Thank you, Karen. Really good. Thank you so much, Karen. Holy goosebumps. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, that was beautiful, Karen. Beautiful writing, and uh, your story is, is giving me hope, so thank you. Good morning, this is Jennifer again. Um, I just, I felt compelled to um, share my understanding of Earth, or simply, is there's no other place like this. And Earth is, um, now that I feel like I'm connected on the other side of, uh, you know, I know how to work with releasing sin and guilt, anger, um, because of, this course, you guys, in my willingness. But Earth is, I see Earth as um, the one place that we get the opportunity um, to go through this part of evolution back to God. And so it's like a, Earth is a treasure trove. It's an opportunity that I cannot find anywhere else to evolve back to God. So 
um, with love I say that and and I share that I pass. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Jennifer. Hey, this is Steve. I just wanted to add this experience of being with God in my mind, in my heart, is so real. It's as if, you know, it's like touching water, it, drinking water. It's so real, and I know it. Now, everything else is just in the realm of my beliefs about some sort of eternity, some sort of me going on. I don't know anything except this experience right now, and I'm sticking with it because it is what's on my uh, to know. This is what I'm given. And I do see a difference in a lot of talk about spirituality as being some, you know, eternity is not... I, I, I only know now, and I'm sticking with it. And it's as real as can be. And there's a difference for me between belief and now. One is a thought, and the other is an experience. So wonderful of an experience, and I'm so grateful for it. And the Course is just a reminder of who I am. I had to have a certain sense of it before this Course could even, Course can make sense. I'm complete. Great share. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. I don't know is steering the course. This is Sandra again, real quick. Um, it makes so much sense to me um, where we're in a dualistic paradigm, a paradigm of opposites, and that's you know that's about to change because the opposites were the darkness and the light, and really the light is here to encompass the darkness. There, there, there's no need for them to be opposites. The light is here to encompass the darkness. And, um, yeah, and once the light encompasses the darkness, then there's space for both. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. It also makes sense that if this is called the trauma planet, then of course this would be the forgiveness planet too because the forgiveness encompasses all the trauma. The forgiveness is the light. I'm complete again. 
Thank you again. That's right. Um, you can't have forgiveness without something to forgive. <laughs> Thanks. Good morning. It's Mindy on um, Trauma Planet. Hmm. Well, I wonder. Sometimes I wonder. Um, did I come from another planet to come here to help? The planet? Did I? Did I and you and we and all the people on this call already go through everything people on planet Earth did somewhere else, and now we're here, just like Jesus? Um, to me, the meaning of the crucifixion was the statement, you know, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh my God! In the middle of the body being traumatized this being this Christed being this the self was able to forgive that to me was the message so I'm kind of wondering if I came with all kinds of karma and all kinds of challenges and all kinds of things that I could feel victimized about um, so that I could do like Jesus and learn I, mean, I don't know if he had to learn anything when he came here but I have to learn how to forgive and I'm kind of wondering if some of us are light bearers and we're here purposely in this muck to forgive like Jesus forgave in the middle of his crucifixion because that single thing that he did supposedly erased everybody's karma. He forgave for everyone on the planet and only a Christed being could actually do that. And whether everyone accepted it or not, it was there. So... I don't want to have the arrogance to, to compare myself with Jesus, but if I can see this humbly, that the reason why I'm going through so much bull ass that I could easily feel victimized about is because my soul somehow came here and has the strength to forgive. And we all, yeah, oh my God. Wow. That's all. Thanks. I'm complete. Thanks, Mindy. Thanks, Mindy. This is Jessica, and I just, you know, I just think to say, if what they say Jesus said was forgive them for they know that what they do, which is, of course, a quote we're very familiar with, he's not saying, I forgive them. I mean, obviously, he did. He's, it's an entreaty for others to forgive them. And I think that's something that... Certainly the organized religions didn't pay a lot of attention to. Uh, I'm complete. Thanks, Jessica. Hi, it's Karen. I was just thinking of that line we read, I think it was yesterday. Forgive all the things that never happened. Anyway, complete. That's an excellent point, uh, because the other thing that uh, is riddled through this whole section is don't look back. Did you notice that? Don't look back. Don't look back. And that kind of goes with um, kind of goes with the idea that the only time there really is is right now. And when I look back and make a declaration about my story, I'm making it real. And uh, the invitation is for my peace of mind not to do that. Um, because the only time there is 
is right now. You know, the best, the most profound and amazing book title ever was Ram Dass's Be Here Now. You know, it says it all uh, in terms of what it's possible to be aware of. Uh, be here now. And so I don't want to overlook that. You know, the promise that he makes uh, is when my forgiveness is complete, it's like this. I've taken all your kindnesses and every loving thing you've ever done. I've purified them of any misunderstandings and I've saved them for you um, because they are your eternity. That's that's your life. Um, everything other than eternal kindness and lovingness is there for um, is there for awareness now rather than uh, looking back on how my misunderstandings colored everything uh, that I seem to experience so um, I think that's worth noticing and I think that's um, the essence of what you shared Karen in uh, your story about care care and how everything's being transformed somehow uh, before your eyes so thank you for that I'm complete thank you Lori. thank you Lori thank you Lori. Jessica again I just have to say I mean uh, Ram Das was my pretty much my first spiritual teacher and I went and saw him a couple times. But when I read the book, um, it just was one, it was like, in a way, like reading the course, except it's not as big or anything and not as profound and not as beautiful, but quite wonderful. And it was like the course for me in the sense that every line and every page was like, yes, 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 I know that's true. And he tells the story of how he was walking with... I. Uh, I feel like now I'd, I'll say I, I'll say the wrong name of the guy he was walking with, but he was this young American kid who had gone to India ahead of him and was quite like enlightened and and that's when uh, Ram Das would say things like, "When do you think we'll get to the ashram?" And the kid would say, "Don't think about the future, just be here now." And then he would say. Um, how long have we been walking or something like that? And he'd say, don't think about the past, just be here now. Or he would say, you know, my feet hurt. And he would say, uh, well, I don't know what he would say to that, but he was, you know, I think there were three different things. And then Ram Dass in, later in the book, or maybe it was actually probably earlier in the book, when he's, he he takes acid and he goes to this house where, you know, all of his professor friends and other friends are trying to figure out how to become enlightened. And they're taking acid, and as soon as they come down, they take more acid. And this one um, time, he was sitting there, and he saw each of, his pers- each of his roles appear before him. You know, there's the professor, there's the lover, there's the um, son, and each one, one by one, would disappear, would just, like, melt away. And he said to himself, oh, well, that's okay, I can let go of those. At least I have my body. And then in the recording of the book, he says, but I spoke too soon. (laughs) And he looks down, 
and his feet disappear. And then slowly but surely, the rest of his body disappears. And that's when he says to himself, but who's minding the store? Like, who's, who's here watching this, you know? And it's just a really beautiful book. And, um, and you know, for me, the body thing was so, uh, like, kind of big because um, that's what I, that, that's where a lot of my learning in this lifetime and probably others too, of course, the body is, is, is the repository or depository of a lot of ego. The ego is very dependent on the body and, and tell, keeps telling us how important it is. And so my path is very much a path of recognizing how unimportant it is and how it's not, you know, I am not a body. I am free. I am still as God created me. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys. It was fun going down that memory lane. It was fun. Thank you, Jessica. That was great. Thank you, Jessica. That was enjoyable. Hi, everyone. This is RJ. I'm back on the call after a break. I'd like to make a comment. Is now a good time? Perfect time, yes. What, uh, what happens for me is when I forgive, I usually check in with myself and start to ask myself a few questions. And one of the questions I usually ask is, is, is this forgiveness real? And, and the way I can tell most of the time, the way I can tell if forgiveness is real um, I have a great deal of joy and a great deal of happiness and a great deal of comfort when I think about the situation or the individual. Um, if I've got, you know, I can't remember where it is. I've heard many people say that, you know, if we knew how precious each soul was, we would fall to our knees and praise the individual. So, you know, do I have complete joy and abandon and laughter and joy when I think about all the people in Israel and Palestine and, and President Trump and President Biden and on and on and on? And when I get to my joy, where I feel complete joy when I think about each one of these body forms, then I start to feel that forgiveness is moving in the right direction. So I hope that helps someone in the call. It certainly has helped me. To, to monitor my forgiveness. So thank you. Oh, thanks for sharing that, RJ. Uh, so very helpful. Yeah, thank you, RJ. Yeah, that thank was super you. Du- yeah, thank you, RJ. That was good. Thank you.
share. I'll just. You're going in and out. I'm going looking. I can't even the hear mind. a whole word. Yeah. I can't yeah, either. It's pretty poor. If you could call well, in like we call without being on the computer, just so that you can share, maybe that would be good. Instead of doing it through the computer, maybe if you just called like we call in, it just because we can't understand. I'm sorry. It's probably the correct. Nope. I'm going Every third or fourth word, maybe. Uh, I think he's calling back in. This is a perfect example. I can have peace and joy even if there are technical difficulties. I can stay in my joy no matter what. Hallelujah. It is a good example. And uh, a lot of things that I've been experiencing for the past month and a half since I moved into assisted Mm -hmm. living including my roommate's phone ringing when she's not even in the room to pick it up or anything and ringing starting at 5 o'clock in the morning is also a good example. (laughs) Right, right. But I have to ask the whole pretty often and ask for you guys' help pretty often too in, in prayer and good thoughts. Thank you. I'm complete. This is Ida. I'm complete. Yeah, I think it's really important for all of us to notice what takes away our joy. Um, And certainly uh, other people's cell phones going off at different times, um, technical difficulties, 
um, customer service situations where we're calling customer service. Um, here's where the real work comes in for me and for all of us, I believe. Um, and if, you know, if, if I suddenly find myself in a rage or anger, then I just I say, Holy Spirit, help me, and I want to choose for love, and then I forgive myself, I forgive the situation, and I go back to my joy. And sometimes I have to do it 47 times a day, um, but I'm willing to do the work because as I've been doing this work, I find my joy is, is huge. It, there's so much more joy. And I have flashes of anger and flashes of upset, but I don't even know the percentages. I have a huge amount of joy throughout my day. Um, yeah. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's so nice. I love hearing that. That's you, RJ, right? Yes, it is. It's it's RJ in yeah. Sacramento, California. Oh, Sacramento. My grandparents on my mom's side used to live in Sacramento a long time ago. That's nice. Awesome. We visited there once. I'm out in Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> Only Yay. one city, but far away from Sacramento because California is a big, long state from the north to the south. You know. Right. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I lived I lived in Tucson, Arizona, in 1996 for one winter. So I got I got a Tucson experience for about about four months. Oh, that's great. I was there then because I've lived here for um, 30 years since 1993. So it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Yeah. And you make up all those pretty little songs that you sing on the other call. Right, <laughs> right. Now, now that I've learned about this, and now that I've learned about this call, I'll be doing this call uh, more often and uh, extending my joy. All right. I would say that um, some of my friends, um, some of my quote-unquote normal friends, the friends that are not in Course in Miracles, think I'm crazy because I have, I have so much joy when I think of President Biden or President Trump, and I have so much joy when I think about Israelis and Palestinians, and I have so much joy when I think about the four or seven or eight billion people on the planet, you know, and I have so much joy, even though I know that there's like billions of chickens that die every day so that many people can be fed. Cause I've got friends that are like crying and angry over the fact that chickens and, and cows and fish get, they call it murdered, you know, my, my radical vegan friends. So I have lots of friends who are angry. I have lots of friends who are suffering and they think I'm completely insane because I'm happy all the time. <laughs> so what's a guy supposed to do? You know, should I join them in misery or should I maintain my happiness? No. Maintain your happiness because I can... <laughs> no, my parents and, and that whole generation of my family came over here uh, from Palestine. So that's all in my heritage. And I can still say, don't suffer with the people of suffering because that's not going to help them. Love them. 
you know, forgive them, but maintain your joy. Be above the battleground, as the Course says, right? Right. Yay. What a great discussion. I think Lemoyne made it back. How's it sound? Lemoyne. Give us a shot. Is it working now? Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it wasn't the headset after all. It was the phone. <laughs> okay. All righty. I ended Excellent. up having to reboot. Good. I dialed back in and it put me in a conference by myself. <laughs> anyway, I apologize for all this. <clears throat> this morning, yeah, it's been an excellent live example. Yeah, it's clear I know now what I do. <laughs> anyway, yeah, RJ, that seems to be the thing. Forgive them. And uh, yeah, I, I, so, uh, well, I've apologized. I won't do it again. I, I will say, uh, I'm going to end the recording because it's gone on and on through these difficulties. And uh, the call call will continue, but we'll end the recording here. Thanks for everyone who is here and reading or listening, who shared or just shared in the shares. And uh, have a wonderful day. <laughs>